This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by Pro Flowers. Go ahead and surprise someone for no reason at all. Right now, our listeners can get 20% off their unique summer rose bouquets or any bouquet purchase of $29 or more by visiting proflowers.com and entering the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. Today's show is also sponsored by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers fresh ingredients right to your door. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Three, two, one, Pastor Spence son. He's dropping the beat. And tomorrow is his birthday. Oh my god. Joey's gonna be Forte. Holla at your boy. Wow. Welcome to 40, my friend. Woo. Oh, man. 40. You are. I mean, you look older than me. That's what I love about no. you. That's one of my favorite things about our friendship is I have a friend who's one year younger than me and looks <laughs> thir- 13 years older than me. It's amazing. I can see that. I can see I lo- where you're coming from. I love I it. it. It makes me happy when you're around. I'm, the, just, thin, I'm the young, thin one. That's hilarious. That's exactly <laughs> that. See, that mentality is hilarious. My wife does the same thing. My whole family's sick because they you know, are weak and get colds and i don't but the so they all have the germs passing through them and all that right which is the terminology i use and, and they have sore throats and they're on medicine on stuff and i woke up the other morning and i said you know what i think i i think I, I do have a little bit of a sore throat i guess that germ's passing through me and bridget's like yes she's happy <laughs> <laughs> of course it went away about an hour and a half later i knew but i, I do believe the germ inhabits me and passes right through my immune system's good it fights it off or whatever or either that or i just can't recognize when i'm sick which is another theory but the point is my wife being happy if i got sick she actually would be happy about that so same thing about if joey's old and fat and, and looks bad that makes toby happy so weird it impulse, really is. <laughs> it's really awesome are you, doing, are you doing anything special for your birthday tomorrow do you have to work uh i think i'm gonna take the day off Woo-hoo! Uh, yeah i'm actually gonna go see um the movie because i really like historic movies um so i'm gonna watch detroit tonight nice with my wife and maybe some friends and then tomorrow i, I share a birthday with my daughter so we'll um We'll hang out, do some fun things with her, and then there's like a school open house that everybody's heading out to, and then Rosa and I will go head out and take her to Miabi's and you know those like restaurants where they cook. I it was going to ask you that: Is your birthday since Rosa, your daughter, your oldest, is on the same day as your birthday? Uh, uh, yeah. Is there is that diminished your birthday like presents or things you get or anything like that? Or is it no, it's been? just it's just created some resentment towards her. I don't think <laughs> right. I've ever felt bad about like the lack of attention. It's just yeah, she's definitely not my favorite kid. Of that it can't shit. be. You're gonna, can't be. You're, gonna, you're gonna come to this earth on my day. Right? How dare the, you? One I mean, damn day that I have. <laughs> is uh is there any uh sentiment behind you being 40 is there any significance to that in your book good or bad no or is that uh i mean I, this is gonna sound just uh, very unprofound but i remember uh, my dad it? turns my dad my dad <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember I rem- my dad's birthday is December the 18th, week yeah. before Christmas, and I remember he turned 40 
And you got him uh, a picture of your penis that said, remember this. <laughs> <laughs> my mom sent him one of those uh, human grams, and it was Alf, because my dad liked Alf. So and Alf walked into the house with a Santa outfit on uh, oh, for his 40th. But Alf but Graham. What, but really, what really stands out in my mind, though, is I remember that night I thought to myself, my dad is he's getting up there. Yeah. Like, I, I oh, mean, yeah. I was like 40 that, yep. you know, he's, he's heading towards the end now. And right. I just, 40 just seems like nothing. I mean, it's just like, okay, I that, feel kind yeah. of in a 20 year old mentality right I now. And, and, and here's my big question though, is, is that how everybody feels? Of course. Or yeah. do they? No, no, no. I know they feel, oh my gosh, that used to seem so old, but do people have that sort of an upbeat mentality towards it as far as just like you know i i still feel youthful um yeah i think most people i I, do i I see how people like act in public and they're like my age or even younger and it's like they have like a real adult oh no i'm saying they tell themselves that no no you're right you are way more you i'm i'm dead serious you're way more youthful and healthy and all that stuff than most 40 year olds i'm just saying on people's 40th birthdays they tend to have some fake sentiment of but i'm still i still young well no you're not you're oh yeah you're not you're old i see you every other day of your life this is a way to let off a little comic relief and make fun of yourself for being 40 and talk about how you still feel young but no most people are old when they're 40 you're just actually pretty youthful i would say honestly yeah yeah it's it's nuts I but mean, i still years but now, i mean when i your dad 50, must have been be pretty like... youthful too because if he was still into alf at age 40 that was really exciting for him that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the same as like if right now like let's say tomorrow it, it, to really make you happy priscilla uh gets a sheldon from big bang theory graham to show up at the house and do a dance and say something funny that's, that's what that's like a goofy the goofiest immature sitcom from your day is what your dad wanted when you're 40 <laughs> oh man that's crazy crazy I, crazy I, I think this this day and age I, I used to think everybody was like oh well you know like 60s the new 50s 70s the new 60s like it was you know everybody's getting mm. more and more youthful i think now just because of how fast everything's moving, I think really you only have a window now to be influential from about 20 to 40. And after that, you're kind of novelty. Maybe you do something kind of cool or maybe somebody will listen, you know, but you're all, almost novelty. Like in, mm, in, interesting. Th- those 20 years are the ones where you, you might have a chance to be the most impactful, which is scary because I'm 41. I'm past that. So I hope I'm wrong. But I wonder if people are going to see that more. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I should extend that to fifty. Maybe in your forties you might. But I think as you start getting older now, it's not that your uh, look as old as your grandparents used to or acted the same way. But I think you, it's a little more novelty, and it's like, oh, those are old people, and it's kind of cute. But it, does, I don't know if it seems as productive or something. Well, see, I wonder if that maybe a little bit change, kind of based on what Matt was talking about in his episode with Matt McDonald and Levi. Like you actually called it a problem that that older folks mm-hmm. are not on social media right that's you know what right I'm saying? it's a thought so that i had I the other that, night but yeah i, I tweeted I think that it our gener- i mentioned it but you, go ahead i think our generation will slowly get on board with what matt mcdonald was saying as far as we need older wise dudes i, I just yeah it, it's almost like pe- when people turn their head from big stuff to do more grassroots in a, in a weird sort of way, it's the same thing. It's like I'm, I want to turn away from all these people 
that influenced the masses, the mm -hmm. mainstream, and all that. This old dude, he's been around a while. Right. And it'll almost be cool to do that, too. Well, no, it's generational. Well, that, so think about it this way. So millennials always get ragged on by everybody. And I, I genuinely detest that mentality because I think millennials are probably, well, I, I would say without a doubt, most likely going to be the best generation there's ever been. Typically, that's the way it goes. But they're in an, they're, there's no old millennials yet. People that grew up with technology, that understand things that are the new way, that are the future. You know, when they say children are the future, well, those are the millennials. Here they come. Yeah. You better get used to it. When these millennials are old, they'll know what the hell's going on. We're the last generation of people, people that are about 40 and older, and you're, you buck the trend, and I buck the trend by trying to stay technologically uh, relevant and understand freaking Snapchat and Twitter. But the people that started hanging vinyl siding right out of high school, they don't. They're not Amazon Prime right. members, and they're never going to be involved in right. society again as a whole, which is a problem. But when these 25-year-olds that are super sharp right now, let's say Jonathan Merritt. I don't know how old he is. He's probably a little bit older. But let's just think about these people that are younger than us that are super sharp now, that are very right. technology plugged in. When they're 60 and 65, they're still going to be. And right. they will, and they will be super valuable. And I think we're missing right. that now. There's no 65 year olds to listen to. We obviously need them. We've obviously right. got some major problems and a big gap. We're supposed to have old people and wisdom in our society. We're supposed to. So yeah. I'll be excited when there's finally those people that are <laughs> access the world and are represented. So blue collar yeah. people and old people underrepresented. It's a problem. And that, that's yep. one of the things uh, that we talk about in True Man, and I'm doing a True Man September 7th through the 9th in Texas. Email me, tobybadchristian at gmail.com. We talk about the older man and how we have we lost the older man. Mm -hmm. And the older man used to be a sign of wisdom and uh, helping an experience and, and helping us kind of move through the world and explain some things that's uh, right. to us when we're younger. Here's the problem. We live in a unique time right now where you're right, Matt. Uh, there are the older generation is looked at as the past and the bad stuff. It's yes, a, it's so much of the problem, bad is associated yeah. with it. Just like we, we, we probably should bring this up, and it might be a delicate issue, but like with Charlottesville or whatever, a lot of people are looking to older people and saying, "Where are you? Why wouldn't you stand against this? Why, you know, especially like in the Christian world? Well, like, let's why you let's take do that. A harder stand? Let's do that. But before we talk about bringing people down, which Charlottesville You're certainly right. does, let's talk about a way to bring people up first, and that's nice. pro, pro flowers. So I feel bad about this, but it took me several years into my marriage to realize that, uh, you know, the value of being spontaneous and doing things unexpected. You guys know me. I'm a little more methodical about things, and so I, I stick with what works, and I try to improve it from there. But there's real value in doing something unexpected like flowers or a new restaurant or, you know, something new, and spicing it up a little bit. But mainly with the flowers, that's pretty much the easiest way to do that. And here's what you got to do. You got to send flowers at an unexpected time. Trust me, it'll work. And as long as you keep it mixed up, it'll continue to work as long as it's unexpected. And that's where Pro Flowers comes in. Uh, I, I do this. I send my wife flowers, and I try to just, you know, get it at a time when, when she's not going to expect it. Seems to work. I, that's all I can tell you. Um, the ones we got recently, I loved. I, the, there was this rose bouquet that came to the house, and 
it was sweet. But it's not just my wife who loves it. It's not just a purely romantic thing. It doesn't have to be like that. My daughters love it. They smell it. They think they're pretty. We talk about flowers and how plants work. I mean, they're, they're good stuff. And guess what? They just look good in our house. Our house is better because of it. Even if you just live alone, get yourself some dang flowers. It will improve the, uh, the ambiance of your place. And I don't think you should underestimate that. They don't have to go to your house. There's plenty of people that you could send flowers to, and I'm sure they would appreciate it, and it would, it would, it would be good for you. So Pro Flowers wants to help you surprise someone for no reason at all. Um, and they want to surprise you, too, with a special deal for our listeners. You can get 20% off any of their unique summer rose bouquets or any other bouquet of $29 or more. Their colorful rainbow roses are always a hit if you're not sure what to send somebody. Uh, their flowers are guaranteed to stay fresh for at least seven days, and ours last longer than that, or your money back. And you get to control the delivery date themselves. So this is a great deal. Pro Flowers gives you more bloom for your buck. Big, beautiful flowers with more stems for your money. So to get 20% off Summer Roses or any other bouquet over $29 or more, go to proflowers.com and use our code BADCHRISTIAN at checkout. That's proflowers.com, code BADCHRISTIAN. Don't wait to make someone else's day. Okay, that's right. Now for... But the darker side of life, I suppose. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who disagrees. I guess a lot of people disagree about a lot of stuff. But a bad, bad weekend, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was terrible. Uh, Joey, did, did you talk about it at church at all? Did you stay out of that, or did Pastor Greg I, or anybody? Yeah, our our lead pastor did for sure. Kind yeah. of, uh, you know, the importance of <laughs> standing against something and the importance of unity and. That sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, I I I want to be delicate here, and I I feel like I have a different take than everybody else because I haven't seen anybody else say anything like this. So maybe I'm wrong. I, I I'll be open to being wrong here, but I want to at least just explain where I'm. My brain's at. Let me start with questions uh, that I have because I guess yeah, this one, this whole thing gives me more of like, wait a second. Because I'm hold on, hold on one second. Let me just get this out of the way. How dare you three talk about this issue? You no, guys no, are white no, and middle no, class. No, no, so come okay. on, moving on. Okay. Did it well. If anything, we've proven that what white people say matters one way or another. So it's, it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. at least not irrelevant nonsense. Yeah. I mean, if we, we can't talk about this, then don't ask us to talk yeah. about other things either. Yeah. Then or say that our voice is needed in other. We, we got to be able to talk about everything. Everybody does. Not just <laughs> well, white folks. White people can talk. It's just only harmful when they do. Would be the thought. But um, <laughs> some of that's true. <laughs> but I do. I guess what people don't mind as badly, which I actually genuinely have in this day, is more like questions. Like I'm a little bit confused. I, I'm just uh, I'm a little slower on stuff like this because I'm a little bit surprised by it, in fact. So most people go through and on stuff like stuff happens and they react so quickly. Um, and to me, it feels a little too quick because like what I'm just still like, wait, what happened? Who are these people? Right. What are they doing? Where did they come from? What were they trying to do? I'm slow. And if we were in a fist fight, I would not be helpful because I'd be trying to figure out, wait a second, what precipitated this and where did that guy come from and why did he, you know, I'm not helpful in those situations because it takes me a little while to process and so I don't have any takes or anything on this except for I still don't, I, I'm, I'm a little bit astonished at who these people are what, and what did they, before I can even have comment on it, I had to know what they were trying to do, which I still don't understand. So I'm not trying to be dumb, but let tell me who are these protester people, and what were they trying to accomplish in the first place? Like, what what is the point 
of what they were doing. Yeah, First of all, I'm shocked like that there's were... that many of them that they exist and would organize. And yeah, I don't think it's false media to show that white supremacists marched. And I'd never, I wouldn't have thought that would ever happen in our country to that de- to degree. Now, a bunch of, there's much more stuff to talk about beyond that. But what, what are they thinking? Are they thinking if I mean, we show it's... up strong and show this, what will happen? I What's think, their goal? I think it, it's, it's the same reason why anybody protests anything. They say, we just want our voice to be heard. And my question with that is, is, is that always the best way? I mean, sure, I, I'm, I'm sure there's times when maybe that is the best way to be heard. But, like, in Charleston, I mean, they've already had a rally. Uh, it was this past Sunday night. And, you know, people would talk about it in a way of, no, you got you to gotta go and let your, bo- let your voice be heard. For, like, no, no, I'm still, you're still skipping my question. What is their vote? What are they saying? Who are they? What are they trying to do? Oh, we're here. Do? We're here. We're matter, and what what we believe is right. Which well, is this what? whole thing. Sta- this whole thing started because uh, Charlottesville was going to take down a statue. That's of, right of Robert E. Lee. Uh, Robert okay. E. Lee. Right. And so a bunch of white folks right. from all over the country uh, showed up to protest that. Right. To so protest I, that. That was yes, the, the and, unite the right was to not right. take down Confederate yes. general and, statues. And, okay. But and, and obviously there was a, a racial component to that. Right. For sure. It's white nationalists, alt-right folks that sure. are, you know, just wanting to get press, wanting to get stuff going. And I mean, that's a, I, I don't, I think in these instances, you can't avoid somebody doing something really stupid and horrific and terrible and awful. But I don't know if everybody there wanted people to die, especially a no, young white lady. No, surely not. But their you're, message you're I mean? was like, but, "What if we all show up strong? What if what if a hundred thousand of them came together? What would they? What they're, they're, they would what, be demonstrating to liberals to back off? Like no, us- it would." Honestly, I think what they would really love is for people to freak out saying, I cannot believe this is where our country is at, at 2017. And they would think when they hear that, yes, we're in a really good place because there's enough of us that don't buy into all this equality bullshit. I mean, I really do think it's about having their voice being heard and showing people, hey, we're still here. We still matter. We still believe that the Bible is 100% for white supremacy. I mean, it's uh-huh. just crazy. There's people so that still believe are they, that. Way. But is their goal to incite fear in the other people? Like, is that, that's got to be part of it, right? It well, seems I, like I honestly maybe. think. I think it's Which more is along scary. the lines of what Toby said. That's that's where it started. And and I here I mean, we could go all so many directions with this. So just a side and, and, note. And there's so many different ones there. There had to be people there for different reasons. I'm just trying okay, here's what I'm looking for. In the in the spirit of steel manning. If I'm just I'm trying to figure out what is the best side of their argument to even like who is the most benign person that actually had a, some reasonable point that's not just a, a, a absolute terrible person that showed up with the unite the right people that has a point that he's trying to make that's semi-coherent what would that be like oh well that guy's not the worst like what's the least bad person that showed up with those people to protest what does he someone someone that says you know what that was a very bad time in our country but a lot of good people died on both sides Uh, a lot of the people that believed in slavery they were misled but they're still people that matter and Mm -hmm. I just don't understand why we have to remove stuff that not only represents people that died, but also represents why our country is the way that it is in uh-huh. its history. I mean, I, I have, I mean, this, my thing with racism and all that is I, I feel like I'm going to relent to anything because of my privilege. I do have that. And if something bothers someone, then by all means, let's remove stuff that, that sure. bothers you. But I 
have no problem with a Robert E. Lee statue outside of that just because that yeah, government but you wouldn't show up. You wouldn't show up. That, but you would never in a million years show up to that rally. Is what I'm no saying. No way. No, no oh, matter what. Not. But absolutely so, not. but even on the even on the most. Well, hold on. Hold on there. Hold on there. I mean, you you had to acknowledge though. Some people felt like that. They felt like their skin color was oppressed by that, or it was a right. sign of their. You, That's you might what I'm getting. At. Though, right, Joey? Yeah. When you agree that hey, maybe it should come down. You're not. I mean. The, Wait, the, I thought uh, Matt fact, said, would, would I show up with those white supporters? No, no, no but you're, you were saying that you don't have a problem with the Robert E. Lee statue. I said out, outside of it reflecting on things that make people feel way Which, right. which okay. it does, okay. though, at least. And it does. Yeah. For whatever That's what I'm does. saying is anything yeah. that bothers people, it, this isn't even in a flippant way. I'm like sincerely let's remove it because I'm not in your shoes. But so you would anything- have some limit to that and anybody would. But let's let's at least put it this way. Anybody that does show up to a rally like that, at least would we agree that they feel persecuted. Like that must be genuine to them on some level. I mean misled, like stupid, moron people, whatever it is. But on some level they must feel persecuted. Is that yeah, at least so. consistent with everybody there? At least what I'm trying to think is what is the thing that all those people would agree about? That the white people are now, it's open season on whites and we're being persecuted. And all we want, I'm not trying to hate other people. I just don't want us to be persecuted. We protect everybody right. else. Why can't we protect white people? That'd probably be the most benevolent position. That's what yeah, I'm looking for. White people I'm not trying to defend that. No, I know. Right. I'm not trying to defend that point of view. I'm just trying to find it, It's that. a group of white people, male and female, uh, that are scared that things are changing and they're losing control and right. power and and they they are feeling yeah. attacked they're feeling right. they're and they're scared and they don't understand and they they have a, a a history of privilege and things that have gone on in the world and so um and so they think well if everybody else can protest about something so can I here's my here's where I take my stand and they pick the worst possible time now here's here's what I would like to say about it my feed this weekend was just filled with this. Like uh, I saw people say they hate America now, or, or I don't get America sometimes, or they say uh, that r- racism is just the the, the worst it's ever been, uh, and they say uh, these people are everywhere. You got to figure out who they are and what they are, and all, and all this stuff. I sympathize with that. I understand those feelings when when something crazy happens, one person dead, uh, nineteen injured at least. Um, horrific incident and our and it's it is based on race um there is a component of race in this i understand that but here is is what i don't understand if nobody would have showed up like no other like if if just the white nationalist protesters showed up in charlottesville and everybody else in town that disagreed with it took a day vacation somewhere else would anybody Mm -hmm. have died would there have been anything crazy? Would would they have gotten as much press? Would there would there have been anything like the thing that I don't understand? I feel like I I've been kind of loosely calling Dang. it the the, the Kardashian trap. Of, yeah. Oh wait a minute, look at this thing. It must be serious and it must be real. And oh man, she is famous and she did a sex tape. Like from that point, yeah. when Kim Card when the Kardashians got famous for having sex and being rude and rich or whatever i felt like we all lost a little bit of our humanity and and it legitimized mm-hmm. these white nationalists so now every i mean do you think any white nationalist in america mm-hmm. or the world just had to go to facebook and go holy shit we're real we're yeah. serious we did all this stuff we're, Tell I me mean, to take if your, everybody would have just stayed if everybody would have just stayed away it wouldn't have legitimized it. Nobody would have gotten killed. It would have been they would have seen how small and insignificant they are. To because take, here, I, I would like to take a uh, just a guess here, but I would say 
98% of people don't agree with KKK or Nazis or anything. And, and I could be I could be wrong, but I'm not even going to just say that. And so we could stand strong by le- just stay the hell away from it because it's not. I don't even want to spend my time legitimizing it. It's ridiculous. Of course they're awful, but you if you go to protest and yell at them as they yell at you, nothing's going to happen. These are well, sad, weak, scared yeah. people. And you're right. The only outcome that can happen is bad. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. ignoring ignoring the bully at school. The bully. Well, it's more like a fist fight in a parking lot. It's like when you smell blood in the water and everybody on every side. Like, I've I've been around groups of guys before where something seemed a little crazy, and almost all the guys, 60% of the guys, starting with the toughest one, you know, people will kind of group together and start putting on this really weird atmosphere. I'm like, wait, why don't we just walk the other way? Nothing. It just, this isn't going to do anything. Like, the worst thing that can happen is something bad, and the best thing that can happen is something not as bad, but nothing good. And it just seems like engaging the stuff, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be wrong about that. That's why it's a sincere question. But my impulse is very much with Toby. It is, if you just didn't do it, it, I guess the pushback would be, yeah, but then if you said leave them alone, then what if next time they march and then they get more? And what if they keep going? And that way, yeah. if you, everybody, if they meet no resistance, they'll just take over everything. Well, I don't really but agree I don't, with that. I don't, I don't think, think they'd be motivated. Them, but. That's what's crazy. I, I mean, take, take Toby's. Uh, scenario sure, even though. further like what if the media ignored it and there right. was i mean that no, would that's never happen that's but what i'm imagine saying the, the impact media. yeah the media yeah. is 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 largely the problem because i mean they they win from this the media's win yeah. it's it's kind of gross i mean well and here's what makes me really upset about it is i feel like we so on my facebook page i just saw all these people kind of uh trying to promote their non-racism or I see people going, well, the, you know, I didn't grow up in the South, so I don't know what it's like. I, I'm just seeing all these people like, I, and all you end up doing is promoting the racist and all this bad stuff. And here's what I just can't understand. How could we all, including me, I'm talking about me right now, how could we all sit on our asses and complain about racism, how bad it is, when seriously, un believable percentage of black men are sitting in prison for selling a plant? And and they can't and when they get out they can't get a job or I mean like or when in the workforce there's uh, black men and women who can't get jobs or there real is real racism that's happening where you're kept out of this community or this town or or you get pulled over you might get shot because of the color of your skin how dare we sit on here and go oh man America sucks and it's so bad and it's so awful when real Fucking racism is happening all the time, and I don't do anything about it. Well, what is it? I just do, don't. Though I mean, that's, well, that's where, what that's, I'm saying. That's, Wouldn't it be better if we at least talked about that? Hey, what can we do about it? What's the right things to do? Where where can we go? How can we protest uh, black men and women in prison for selling a plant? Well, and not are you being saying able to get jobs? And are you and, saying and that it's counterproductive? For profit prison. Like, is there a sense in which this just helps their platform? I guess basically, right? Is what and, you're and here's what it does. Here's what it does. It separates us more. It makes us distrust each other more. Like one of the most eye-opening things to me ever was Matt. I know Joey. I don't know if you've listened to S Town, the podcast, or wherever, but it's set in yeah. Alabama, and there are some real racists in that. <laughs> In yeah. that, and, and they're white men who do tattoos, and they are racist. They do not like black people at all. Probably might be KKK members. KKK is huge in that town, I think. Now, here's what is interesting. Those men sound like they have way more in common with the black population in their town than they ever would with the rich white people or the politicians or anything. But there's a real divide that keeps people in all of us. It keeps us not watching what's really happening. So we all say, oh, no, racism is 
horrible. Look at these KKK, white nationalists, uh, you know, alt-righters. Oh, my gosh, racism is horrible. And it takes us off real racism that everybody is a part of. That, we, that has affected America. Thing, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yes, and, and that's what really bothers me is, is of course, this is horrific. Of course, right. I don't want white people protesting that they should get to keep a statue because yeah. we're white and it means something and that black people are less or that, you know, people from Mexico or le- any other race is less, whatever it might be. I hate that. Of course, I yeah. stand against it. And almost everybody you know does. Who's the KKK yeah. member that you know? Who's the, who's the white nationalist alt-right person that you know? And I even saw some people posting that. It's because you don't. All your friends don't like racism either. Now, they're a part of systemic racism mm-hmm. that's happening, and we all are, and that's why I, dis- I really dislike it when a whole weekend will be put, oh, man, it's awful, it's horrible, racism exists. Of course it exists. Well, but why would we promote those nationalists? Like, there's something. They're weak, nothing. I don't think they're that statistically significant, <laughs> but it is very scary, and that's why if it bleeds, it leads on the, on the media and stuff like that. But... What's interesting right. to to think about on it is, uh, you know, is there's nobody watching out for like just the tone or the atmosphere. Like you know, when something gets dangerous, you can start to feel it, and that's just why I just I hate that about this. Like it's going to make it worse. Right. This weekend's going to make yes. another weekend worse. It's going to make next weekend worse. Period. There's more white nationalists now that go, oh, if we if we cause problems, it will benefit us. And yeah. now you've got all these every freaking body doing what you're saying, which is overly reacting emotionally and trying to, I mean, they're just, it's just all frenzy. And I'm not saying there's no place for that. I mean, there is place for that, I suppose, but it's now you have anybody that wants to oppose that. And there's two elements to that camp. Now, one is self-righteous superiority to announce how much I am not a racist, which is, you know, not the best thing to, you know, it's a self-righteousness impulse. And then the other one is on edge, like on edge, like, right. Those anybody that put put a long powerful rant on Facebook, if they're out and about somewhere and something goes down, they're already pre ready to react violently, defend themselves violently, misinterpret a situation and do something. You know, these people. My wife would be one of them. This stuff makes her very very upset. She's not yeah. thinking deeply about it. She's not capable of. I don't mean that in any offensive way or anything. She just this rattles her so much. She is upset. If she sees something, she's on edge. She will continue to be on edge. She's been on edge since Donald Trump got elected. That's driving me crazy. If she would have never had access to the stop watching the news and Facebook, she'd be fine. But I, I'm not mad at her for being able not to think deeply or slowly about it. That's fine. But she's on edge, and so is everybody else. And, it, and if you're on edge and something goes slightly bad, you're going to make it worse. That's the way it always goes. Once one thing goes bad or out of rhythm or out of whack, now you're out of calibration. You don't even know how to act when something else happens. Now a policeman pulls you over, and you freak out all of a sudden when you did, wouldn't have normally. Or you say, wait a minute, is this that? Is this that? And then you say, oh, let's counter-protest. And then the, the gross people on any other side that anarchists or whoever it is, they're going to show up and do other bad stuff. It's Hatfields and the McCoys. The gospel is against this entirely. The gospel says, love your enemies. What does that mean in this case? Does it mean, I mean, on the other side, fight. Now it's time to stand up and fight, but I don't know what that means. I I don't know what it means. It's just freaking me out. Like, it sounds bad to me to say everybody calm down and just ignore it and chill like everything's fine because it's fine for me. But on the other hand, I'm saying, what does it mean to fight? What does it mean to stand up? Like, it's not just automatic. Whatever you do right. is, That's is, my is point. helpful. Can't we be smarter? I mean, can't we be smarter it, 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 about you our You have to go a little slower, but yeah, you're racism. right. Yeah, I don't know. We, I'm just, you know, just have to be smarter. 
I, I, I couldn't help but realize, Matt, something that you had said a while back, just how people take advantage of these sorts of happenings and go yes. straight to right. social media. It's almost like we'll beat everybody else to it, and they say some strong, you know, attempting to be super profound. And I guess that it's is just, just the day and age but... we live in. And, and there is a social media culture that's developing that I think is going to rub some of us the wrong way with that sort of thing. But it does just rub me the wrong way. It's just like, oh, okay, cool. Yell, yell at re- racism and get a bunch of retweets. Or I don't know. I, I don't know why it doesn't feel right. I well, actually saw I some mean, people yeah. say, uh, say stuff like, yeah, why wouldn't those white people have gone to Compton in March? They'd have got their ass. I was like, are you kidding me? You could say something so callous as to send white nationalists, possibly yeah. KKK alt-riders, into a black community so that they would fight each other? Like, how dare you say something so yeah, no, Inciting of any kind of combat or violence is wrong in my book. So violent rhetoric to oppose the white nationalists is just, it seems counter gospel. I don't know. Now only I'll tell you the other one that's really bad is the, the, is the, the Christian platitude. Well, first of all, all these things seem like platitudes so far. I'm not hearing any real ideas yet. And I'm not, it's fine. You react emotionally when things happen. Okay. Let's, Cooler heads prevail over time, and let's get some good ideas going. But the other one is the uh, the platitudes of the. Of course, I'm anti-racist. Let me demonstrate it. And then the other one is right. I'm Christian, and I won't even address the issue. I'll just say, but Jesus heals all things, and we move on. That was bad too, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, the one where it's like, here comes yeah. a, you know Franklin Graham is going to say. I mean, not, I don't know what he said, but who somebody's just going to say something to stay out of it, and say something nice about. Jesus or whatever. I mean, that that one's goofy, too. So it's, uh, the yeah. platitudes obviously seem empty, I guess, is all I'm saying. And so, empty platitudes are not as bad as being a white nationalist. Don't, <laughs> don't hear me wrong that way. And then right. the one other thing, and I'll leave it at this. We'll talk about it another time because we have our guest is about to come on. But the other one I always find helpful is compare this same thing to another one. And I won't draw any conclusions, but let's just, t- let's just compare in your mind for a homework assignment white nationalists to violent, radical white nationalists to violent, radical uh, Islamic terrorists. I think both of these things are pretty pretty close to terrorism, and I think you could yeah. think of them in the same way. So if so, what are the parallels? What would you want done about ISIS? How do we speak about ISIS? What are the ways right. we talk about ISIS? Do we say we should bother more? Are we radicalizing them by talking about them or fighting them harder? Like, I don't know. It's a good point. But these are all good right. things to think about. I mean, the bad group, do we make it worse by Hatfield and McCoy with them. I certainly, I don't know, but th- anything you would apply to this white nationalist group, maybe is similar to ISIS. So what yeah. is now weigh those, and that's your homework assignment. Anyway, okay, we got through the difficult topic. I don't think we said anything God, too bad, did we? I, I feel miserable, Steve. <laughs> you, can't, you can't win in this world because I understand everybody being hurt and upset mm-hmm. and feeling like you got to fight back. That's in my DNA. Y'all know yep, that, right? but. But I just, I go, I cannot believe we'd be so blinded as to give them exactly what they want. That's exactly what those white nationalists wanted. Well, that's what what violence does. Uh It breeds more violence. So I don't know. It's a power grab. It's just trying to get more power, and it's just just awful. It's awful all the way around. It makes me disgusted, and I feel just depressed and like, is this what our world is? And just when you think maybe things can get better and better, they they go right back. It's it's, it's the human condition. It's evil. It's sin. Yeah, I'm concerned about it. I'm concerned about the tone and the direction because it's just going to up, 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 up the staircase. But I'll tell you what I'm not concerned about at all is what I'm going to eat this week with my family. Oh, yeah. All right. So I got home today uh, from the pool with the kids and sitting at my front door was my next order 
of Blue Apron, and I just couldn't be happier. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and that's what I like about it. I'm a horrific a cook. I can't call myself a cook. I was thinking about saying chef. I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook. I can barely make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but that all changed with Blue Apron. I mean, here's the thing. The ingredients are amazing. They really are. I, I will say this forever. Their vegetables are bar none, my favorite vegetables ever, and I'm not a huge vegetable person. It's just crazy how good they can make food at Blue Apron. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Cooking together builds strong family bonds, and research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often, and that's true. That happens at our house. We uh, have been, you know, the same as most people. Sometimes you just go out and you get something that's not as good, and you spend more money going out to restaurants or whatever, just picking something up at a grocery store. You end up getting more than you need, and it just ends up being crazy. With Blue Apron, you get to spend time with your family. You have great food, and it's awesome. And those who spend a lot at restaurants like I have done in, in the past or high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. Just check out a couple of these meals. Basil, pill, uh, basil pesto chicken with summer vegetable panzanella and here's another one sauteed shrimp and green beans with globe tomatoes spinach and orzo pasta i'm just telling you it's unbelievable what blue apron can do so check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blue apron dot com slash bad christian you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com slash bad christian blue apron a better way to cook okay billy thank you for joining us hey how are you great your, uh, your audio and video are tremendous yeah awesome I was you just get an a plus for that yeah you're great can you hear <laughs> us and see us just fine i can i can hear you guys i can hear you thanks for having me Great. Thanks, um, man. Thanks for let's coming on. do a quick catch up on just who you are to introduce you to our guests. We didn't set you up in any particular way before, but uh, let's. Do, what's your quick bio? How do you explain to people exactly who you are? Just well, Matt, Matt, sentences. he's contributed to the Washington mm -hmm. Post, Human Events, the Daily Caller, uh, Mediate, and the Huffington mm -hmm. Post, among other news sites. Through journalism, media, public speaking appearances, and the <laughs> blogosphere. <laughs> Go ahead, Billy. Wait, don't, you, don't you love bios? I'm saying right? I'm asking you how do you. I'm trying to informalize it because I don't like. I have that same. I have the, the information too, but I was going at a different way. When you walk into a party and goes, "Hey, what's your name and what do you do?" What do you say? Yeah, we're trying to get credibility here, Billy. I usually say, you know, oh, I'm a writer or I cover faith. I, you know, I hate the word. I mean, I am a journal. I'm a trained journalist, mm -hmm. but I, I've done more writing in recent years. I work for FaithWire.com, and we're sort of a, a millennial site. You know, that covers faith from a Christian perspective. And um, and I've been fortunate enough to work on a couple of books. So I, I tend to say, hey, you know, I'm a writer. And then they'll kind of ask, what do you cover? And in New York, where I live, it's always an interesting conversation when I tell them, mm -hmm. you know, what I do and that I cover culture. And, and so it's always a good conversation starter. Are you self-identified millennial? Unfortunately, yeah, I say unfortunately. I, I tend to be somebody who loves millennials, and then I also get very negative on my generation too. So I, I, I bounce back and forth. But I'm 
I'm an elderly millennial because I'm I'm 33. <laughs> so I'm like on the I'm on the upper okay. end. So I'm like, no, I'm an old millennial. I'm kind, I'm a different kind of millennial. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll turn. Joey turns 40 tomorrow. I'll be 38 uh, next in a couple of weeks, and Toby just turned 41. So none of us yeah. can claim that. 33, you could probably get away with it. But just so you know, just so you feel comfortable, I was just talking about before, and, and often do. I'm the biggest fan of the millennial generation. I think they are our most promising generation we've ever had. They're just adolescents. I think they'll arrive eventually when they get through some of this stage that they're at now. So I'm not slightly worried about them at all. Or you. Well, and you know, and, and I would say, and I get negative on millennials, but you really can't blame millennials. And this is why, you know, a lot of the stuff I've been working on, you know, partially you can, but really we've sort of force fed this generation a lot of stuff. And so we can't be shocked when that has an impact on people. Right. And so right. I think that, and it's not just millennials, that generation Z, you know, the next generation too, I think it'll be really interesting and I'm a, it's sort of a nail biter like where where are they going to go how are they going to be impacted by I think an even uh, more dire set of sort of material that we've been pushing out to them so I, it's interesting stuff and I do have high hopes for millennials too good good well one of the things the millennials uh you know, one of the things that they do well is identify problems with our church system. That that I find very yeah. pleasant. They they just inherently, immediately know what it is and what's wrong with it. It's, it's clear to them, which is, I think the older generations have a hard time or just see it as complaining. But I think it's quite a blessing that we have young people that can just look and go, that's messed up, that's weird, that's goofy. I like that. That's not bad. Well, it's good. It's good because I think, I think too, you know, so I teach college classes on the side. You know, I just, I love sort of interacting with younger people who are even younger than I am. And, you know, some of the things that have shocked me, I had two students who had never heard the word nativity. So we were having a debate, you know, I facilitate these discussions and I don't tell them where I stand on anything, but, you know, about nativities on courthouse lawns. Should they be there? Should they not be there? And we're having this discussion and a couple of the students look confused and they had never heard that word. And I thought to myself, A, that's bizarre to me that they didn't. And then I'm I'm like explaining, I'm like, you know, Mary, Joseph, Jesus. And one of them was still confused as I'm explaining what the nativity was. And to me, that was a sign that, you know, there, there are a lot of failures. And I think we like to point, and I just wrote a book about this, pointing at the media, at Hollywood, at universities, and sort of what they're putting out. And I think that's a legitimate critique. Um, but I also think we tend to not look at ourselves, at, you know, the church and say, okay, well, like, where are we not going right here that there are people in society that haven't actually heard some of the most basic things about the faith? So do you you feel being a media member, do you feel a lot of pushback? Like, do you think people are blaming you guys? Like, I mean, we were just talking before about Charlottesville and my point was if the, like if the media wouldn't have covered it, they wouldn't have given as much publicity or legitimized the white nationalists or whatever. But are you feeling a lot of that now being in the media? Like you guys get the blame first? You know, I think so. I'm in a fortunate position now because I'm sort of I'm working on a faith website. You know, I've usually I've worked for the Blaze. I work for a lot of different outlets. I've written for a lot of different people. Um, and I feel like I'm sort of in this unique area now where I'm sort of critiquing the media a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, look, I think to your point, a lot of what you said, and I heard what you said before, is really interesting. And I think what we've seen since November is this ongoing battle. But no matter what people think about Trump, I think the press, and this is not a new problem, you know, for decades, the press have done a terrible job of representing Americans' interests. And, you know, there's been poll after poll has shown a lack of trust in the media. And I think we're seeing this clickbait driven, and and I have suffered from that too, not falling into the trap of clickbait um, and just getting people to watch or click and covering things and not really thinking through the ramifications of what that does. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of reasons to critique the media. So imagine, you know, 
I've written a book, it's called Fault Line, and it's about media Hollywood universities and the bias that's sort of in there and an anti-Christian bias, but not because I think they're hostile to Christians. I think they're sort of clueless about culture outside of their own. Um, imagine me trying to then go to the media with op-eds and say, hey, I have a really good op-ed. I'd love you to publish. And of course, a lot of the press are like, no, we're not going to we're not going to self-critique or self-evaluate. And I think now more than ever, we, they need to be doing that. We need to be doing that. People in the media need to be saying, what aren't we doing right? And I, mm-hmm. I think with Trump, it's just this battle back and forth. And there's not a lot of that going on. Well, given your point of view and, and stuff with the media inside perspective, can you speak to just the way that people perceive the media as, uh, I mean, for instance, you do media against media or cover that. For instance, this podcast is media. So now here we are. We were talking about Charlottesville. So by very virtue yeah. of Toby saying the media should ignore it, he's actually part of the media talking about yeah, it I, exactly. in some in some it, regard. But what, yeah, what I, I totally agree. What, where are we at with is the media a coherent thing? Like, on the opposite side, it's a conspiracy, and they all work together to push an agenda or whatever. Right. But what, what's the – like how how can we sort out if it's this unified thing called Hollywood or the media, or is it just a bunch of independent people but there's some invisible hand guiding it? Like what, what controls what is the media and what, what the tone of it is? Well, I think a lot of it's changed, right, because what you have now, like what you guys are doing and what Faithwire is doing, what a lot of other outlets are doing, their responses to film needs, I think, that haven't been met. And so we've seen repeatedly right now, in my mind, when we talk about the media, I think in most people's minds, they're thinking of the mainstream press, the mainstay you know, outlets, the New York Times, you know, the newspapers that Washington Post that we all know well because they're some of the most prevalent papers. And the reason that people get so worked up about those outlets is because the New York Times is literally the benchmark. You go to newsrooms around the country, local affiliates, that's what they're reading. They're looking at the Washington Post. And so CNN even is sort of clumped in with that. Those outlets – now, Fox News has always existed in its own world, sort of, and I think MSNBC, too. They're, they're sort of the outliers, but out, these, those are the outlets that are the mainstays. Now, I think we're all responding to that. We've seen a big rise in conservative media, conservative political media over the past you know, decade because there's a feeling among many conservatives and, and among many Christians – and I would separate those out. They, they have similar complaints, but they're different groups – that the media isn't representing them. And so it is interesting to watch. And now because of technology, we have this show and so many other shows out there meeting other needs and finding audiences that they're not quite feeling maybe represented in some of the press that's been out there. So it's an interesting time. I think, that, I think again, the problem, and again, you look at Gallup, you look at the polling on this, the public has the lowest amount of respect and trust in the media historically ever. Mm-hmm. And so you have to ask yourself, wow. why, why is that? And that is again because they're still they're not listening still, and I have conversations with journalists all the listening? time. The media, the media. I mean, the yeah. media. They're not listening. Look, th- this is it's not about defending Trump. I'm, I'm not here to do that because Trump has made many of his own problems here. But I think the reality is you have people going head to head here: the president and the press, and the people are losing out because we're not getting the stories that really matter. It's it's sort of this one person says something insane, then there's a witch hunt, and it goes back and forth. People want news. They want news they can trust. And I think there's an overarching sense that the press go out of their way to not be impartial. And I, again, I don't think it's because it's intentional to make people look bad. There's a real – I mean, look, I live in New York. The press are based in New York, Atlanta. They're in big cities. They're not necessarily um, always in touch with what's going on. And I think that's a big cultural problem. Mm-hmm. What is the relationship with – Christianity and the media or the attitudes between the two and also uh, Hollywood and, and Christians. What is the, what's the relationship there? 
So I, I think the relationship is is a negative one, and, and it's the assumption that, and, and I keep emphasizing this, it's the assumption that Hollywood in particular and the media go after Christians, try to make Christians look bad. And again, I think it's actually a more dangerous problem when it's not intentional mm -hmm. because people don't realize it's happening, right? Christians will say <laughs> it's happening. Um, conservatives right. will say it's happening, um, but but that's not enough. You have to realize and try to fix the problem. And we do this with so many other. Yeah, I used a term that I think annoyed and it might annoy some of you guys. I don't know, but I use this term progressive privilege. And I think we talk about privilege a lot with race. And and I think we have to pay attention to those things to try to fix those issues. But I do think that Hollywood media and universities sort of enjoy this progressive ideological privilege, where there's not a lot of willingness to question. Okay, well, are we not representing? people well? Is there maybe this, and we've seen this on college campuses really erupt um, over the past year where this problem has sort of hit a fever pitch now. Mm -hmm. And I think we're paying more attention to it, but there has to be a willingness to try to fix it. But I would add this, because Christians and conservatives love to complain about Hollywood and the media and universities. And again, those complaints are warranted, but we've also retreated from culture. And so I write about this a lot in Fault Line. There are so many great examples of Christians working in media and working in Hollywood and universities and having a presence. If we don't have a presence, well, then how are we going to have an influence? And mm -hmm. so I think that's another huge part of this puzzle is that we've all just sort of run away from these arenas. Obviously, you guys haven't and I haven't, but but a lot of people have. And then we're complaining. Yeah. Well, Billy, what, what, do, what do you think as far as, you know, we – we definitely hear all the time, you see it on Facebook, I would say maybe especially even in the South, where Christians talk like, man, w this shit got real in America, man. We are being, oh, uh, they're just coming after us. Next thing you know, we're going to, you know, be thrown in jail for be caught praying at a school. I mean, it's it's like we really, as Christians, we're like, things are bad in America. Do you see, I mean, do, do you vouch for that at all? I think, well, this is a strange time, right? I think if you had asked this question a year ago, the Donald Trump factor is bizarre because there's so many things that are wrong with Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, there's so many things that evangelicals, some, not all, saw in him as sort of a hope, not because they liked him maybe, or and maybe some did, but they thought, okay, well, he's going to protect us in some way from the, the you know, cake bakers and all these other businesses who are afraid of losing their right to maybe not serve customers they don't want to serve. These are all hot button issues. But I think it's a difficult question to answer. I definitely think this country, when you look at the polling of the country, and I have some stats in, in fault line that are really shocking. Journalists, you said, okay, how often do you go to church? And you've got 8% of national journalists telling Pew in 2007 that they go to church or synagogue every week. That does not match up at all to the percentage of Americans who are going to church. So I guess my point is the reason people feel, and sometimes it's an over-the-top reaction, is because they're not feeling represented at all, right. and they're seeing how the press covers stories, and it's right. not – in a coherent light. Sometimes. Okay, so yeah. let's get at let's get at like both of these, the Hollywood one and the the journalism one. They're both really interesting and they're both very specific. You're saying eight percent of journalists are Christians or something like that. I mean, whatever. Some well, they small go to church regularly. Church, some small percentage, and it's not representative. Now, there's two sides to why that is. One is the the journalism people don't hire or Christians, they don't like them, or they whatever, or it's self selected where the Christians intentionally don't do that stuff like is the answer to um is the answer to the new york times not having enough christians to start 
the Christian times? Uh, and is the answer to Netflix not having enough Christians work in that to start pure flicks? Is that this is how we fight it? <laughs> you know, I actually think that's a great. That's a. I would say we have to embed, and I don't mean that. inside when I talk to some of my friends who are liberal, more liberal than I am, or you know, they're secular. What do you mean embed? I'm like, have a presence, right? Like. You have to have a presence at the New York Times. You ha- you can't keep retreating. So mm-hmm. now I would say Pure Flix and all of that, a lot of people go after them. A lot of people go after the Christian movies and all that. I think there's a market for that. There's a market for, for faith audiences. I don't have a problem with that. But I think the real solution to fixing this problem overarching is to have a presence, to become journalists. If you're a Christian, become a college professor if that's what you're interested in. Don't shy away from these fields. I think we've shied away from them because we feel like, uh, we're misrepresented, we're underrepresented. That's not a place you want to be as a Christian. We need to think about that totally differently because that's where the influence is Mm -hmm. in our culture. And I would argue, as I do in my book, that, you know, when you look at all the statistics on every moral issue on down the line, it has all changed because I believe of those three main areas of the Hollywood, the media universities, um, having such a presence and with Christians really pulling back so much, it's it's incredibly problematic. I wonder if we teach that all the way down to just you you know you go to youth group, don't go to that. We we build the playgrounds at church so it's safe. Yeah. To, you know, is it is it all the way down yeah. to just the tone? I mean, and Joey, you say yeah immediately. Is that you know we build the bubble of the church because it's safe at this cost? I mean that that that's that's been my experience as a kid, and it messed me up big time. T- t- tell sure. tell us about it more. Like what? Well, I mean, just how, how I depicted to. my times in high school. I mean, I I didn't have a normal high school experience because I was constantly afraid of kids that cussed and smoked in the bathroom. You know, it, so that eliminates everybody. Like so you would have taken if there was a Christian only bathroom in your high school, you would have gladly gone to it. For instance, oh, it would have been, it would have right? been God's will for me. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I had yeah. I would have to take a stand, and yeah. everybody would have to see my good witness of going in that door. I mean, so I just, I you know, and it's been weird because typically when we talk about Christian persecution, I I disagree in saying yeah, there's there's you know we're not being persecuted now. Obviously, it's not any sort of dangerous persecution. It doesn't hold a candle to other countries, but I do feel like it's there is kind of a slant against Christians that that aren't there for a lot of other faiths, but here's where maybe I go a different direction from a lot of Christians that talk about persecution. I think we brought on a lot of it to ourselves, and we have to own that for sure. Um, But it does seem oftentimes that, you know, Christianity, like the, you know, we've talked about the podcast that we listened to where Christianity wasn't even depicted accurately, and -hmm. then you you go after Christians and how they believe, and, and like all four of us would be like, no, I don't, I don't believe that at all. Yeah. Well, but. the people in Hollywood don't really get it. Like they, they when they right. think of Christians, they know to avoid the topic and to not work with those people because they're a picturing. You know, they're not picturing you and I. Is what I'm saying. Right. Right. Would that be just well, and, because their lack of exposure? I mean, that's and that's their problem to some degree. And I would say, I would say it's both sides, right? Yeah, it's their problem, and I think we need to have that presence. We've seen with Devon Franklin, the filmmaker who did Miracles from Heaven, Heaven is for Real, two huge movies, two of the biggest faith, you know, based movies, you know, in history. That, and he's got another one coming out, an animated film about Christmas coming out this fall. You know that this can be done. You know, it is tough. It's a tough environment. I do think there's an effort. If you had to pick out of the three. The one that I think is the most antagonistic towards Christians, it would be Hollywood. But I think that's because a lot of these creative people, they have an agenda. They go in and they want to make sure that their art reflects that agenda. And so if Christians aren't there to make sure that— What is the agenda, though? 
Well, I think when I say agenda, I mean their worldview. Like okay. they, and, and in fact, I actually have quotes, plenty of quotes in, in Faultline from people in Hollywood talking about how they intentionally crafted storylines to try to change public perceptions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I guess my point is we can complain about that all day long and we should pinpoint it. But if we're not there to sort of have our quote unquote agenda, and maybe that's not the right word to use, but our worldview be represented through our art, then you know we lose a little bit of a right to complain. But I but I would say, you know, on the persecution front, I think that's a a word that carries many meanings. There is a form of American persecution, I think, that is that is happening through these realms. And when you're raising an entire generation of people um, to, you know, and millennials was the they were the first generation for this to happen on sex and violence and on all these things, it's infused into our cell phones, it's everywhere. It is really hard to avoid that and it's hard not to be colored by that. And so I do think from a 30,000 foot level, we have to look at all this and say, can we really be shocked that almost 70% of the country has no problem with premarital sex? I mean, you go down the line, there's a real cultural relativism problem here um, that I think is only going to perpetuate if we're not there to say, no, look, this is why we believe what we believe. We're not shouting in your face. We're not screaming. But this is why we believe what we believe and make a solid case for it. Mm-hmm. But do you think like too, though, uh, so when I, yeah, I still, I, I would like to see, like, what do you think, what are Christians in danger of losing? Like when you're with your book, Fault Line, you, you said that it's uh, media and uh, Hollywood and universities. What are Christians in in danger of losing? Like, for example, I think one of the problems with Christian movies, for example, is that it there is an element that it tries to prescribe how, what you need to do. We're telling you what you, it's, it's innate there with, and that's, that is our faith. Like we, we say, we believe in Jesus because he helped me do this, this, and this. And that is just proselytizing, which every religion does is which every, a lot of business, everything is, is involves that. But what is, what are Christians in danger of losing? Like through, and it is getting crazy. It's like with Evergreen State in, in Washington or, or, you know, I know that that is the case where there is some people not allowing people to speak freely. But what, are, what would you say from the Christian standpoint, are Christians in danger of losing by being pressured, you know, or, or hearing, you know, Hollywood make fun of Christians or? Yeah, I think we tend to focus, there's two things. I think we tend to focus the most on the first and that is, and that is the right to representation, feeling like, you know, everybody else has this right to be represented properly. And why don't we have this right when we're such a large portion of the country? Um, And that's valid. I think that's important. But I think the bigger thing, and my concern was, gosh, what are we depriving people of, right? I think the people who lose out the most when you have this, this aura of bias in all three of those areas are atheists, are people who don't believe, are, are liberals, right? When you're talking about con- conservative bias, anti-conservative bias, people not being able to hear opposing ideas. Right. That actually endangers other people more. They're not being challenged. They're not being forced to think deeper. On a salvation front, if you want to get theological about it, by restricting the message, and obviously I believe the gospel can supersede anything, so I'm not afraid. I don't think the gospel is going to go away because you know of all of this. It's, it's lived on for thousands of years, and it will. But the reality is I think we're depriving people of the ability to know what their options are, what they can believe, what exists for them, who Jesus is. So that is the bigger part of this, I think, from a 30,000-foot view of saying, okay, we have a real problem here, and how are we going to fix this? Because people— are really being disadvantaged. It's not necessarily the people who are already believers. Hmm. Well, I, 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 go ahead, Toby. Well, I was just going to say, and so is that where you, that's what is interesting. So you would land on both sides and you think Hollywood should make the movies that they want to make and also don't oppress 
Christian film from being made or something like that? It's like, I mean, like for example, should we should we also should we see what was the one of the movies you said the like uh, heaven is real, heaven, or, yeah. heaven is real, <laughs> miracles like, from heaven. But you wouldn't say we should watch that and Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, right? Like, I mean, because shouldn't the Christians be exposed to that too, though? Like, if if if, if it should work both ways, though, maybe. Well, I think, look, when it comes to, con- you have to choose what you want to watch, right? right? I mean, you have to right. choose. And I think a lot of Christians have sort of held their nose because they want to laugh. And so they'll, there isn't, there aren't other alternatives. I think some of these movies, what Pure Flix is making and what some of the other filmmakers are making, those are movies that only Christians are going to want to watch, right? Yeah. Um, but there are films like, I think, Miracles from Heaven with Jennifer Gardner, right? You had a mainstream actress in a movie and a lot of people went to see it who might not have gone to see sure a film like that. Otherwise, in terms of consumption, I avoid films and stuff that I feel like aren't going to be good for me spiritually. I just sure. don't want to see them. I have no interest in it. Um, sometimes I will bend it because I want to laugh and because there isn't another option. So I guess my point is we need to create other options that mm-hmm. don't feel corny or ridiculous that people can watch and right. take something away from. And I think we, we should be doing that. Well, one of the things about the millennial culture that can be a negative, I'll say on the other side, is the entitlement one. And somebody said that a minute ago. It's like that feeling of we're underrepresented. <laughs> that, to me, I, I draw a quick line there. It sets off a red flag in my head immediately. Nobody's stopping you from doing shit. You go do it. You can go do it. Nobody prevents Christians from buying houses in Hollywood or moving out there. You can anybody that works at Pure Flix is probably you know you could work at Netflix if you really wanted to and were good enough. They'll hire you. You can leave off your uh, you can leave off your theology degree off your resume next to your uh, four years experience Ruby on Rails software. You, they'll hire you if you're good and want to move there and pursue that. That's your fault if you're not there. If you can, we make this podcast. I know ain't nobody we ain't had to have permission. To, to get out here and get an audience. So that's up to you where you want to be. If there's no not enough Christians in Hollywood, that's your fault. Go there. That's I mean, right? Yeah, look, look I, think, I think it really does work on both sides. I think, and this is what I would say about the media, and this was the point I was trying to make before. You have to at some point say, there's a reason the public doesn't trust us, right? Uh, there's a reason the public thinks that we don't tell the truth. There's a reason the public almost thinks in almost every poll that Donald Trump might be more truthful than the media. That should be terrifying to the mm-hmm. press um, because that's not true. <laughs> but the, that's how bad people look at the media. That's how horrible they see the press. So I think there has to be a realization, OK, you know, maybe we haven't been open enough. And I think we're seeing this in Hollywood. We're seeing big, big, big Hollywood movies come out that are faith movies. It's not just private, individual, small studios. Yeah. And that's an important thing. They're realizing they can make money off of it. That's yeah. the bottom line. But I think the media, they have to think deeper. I think universities – I mean, look, the university culture is a huge problem, and we're seeing statistics like 70% of young people lose their faith, you know, when when they enter college. I mean, again, both sides. sides So the antidote to that is send them all to Moody Bible Institute then. That way they won't get deconverted, you know, whatever. I mean, but that yeah, that doesn't seem like the antidote to me. You can be a best boy grip on a Hollywood film and a cameraman if you're badass at it. And Like, I know the culture is not that friendly to you inviting everybody over to your church group that night, but I mean, (laughs) if there was enough... If there was enough of them there, it wouldn't be as weird. I mean, that culture is the people. There's not a, really a mastermind. There's a bunch of independent studios. There's right. a bunch of independent news organizations. They hire the best people. And if you're a Christian, you can be the best people too. There's nothing stopping yeah, you from that. I agree. It's not a conspiracy. 
I agree. It might be harder, but you can do it. And, and I show in the book in Faultline, really Faultline spends a lot of time giving statistics because I think a lot of the time we sit around and complain about all this, but we have no backing to say, okay, well, like where, where is the, where are we morally? Like what do people really believe? And there's so much data out there that I was shocked by what I was finding in each of those areas, the history of Hollywood and how faith was actually a huge part of Hollywood in the beginning or a little after the beginning. Um, and so I have a lot of that history in there, but then Okay, so here's the book's complaining. Here are all the complaints, but what's the solution? Because so often we don't think through what the solution is, and it might not be the easiest, but it is doable. And I wanted to just add one thing. You know, when we talk about what's at stake, I do think that when the influence is so pervasive, right, when the anti Christian influence in those three areas is so pervasive, it does eventually trickle down to have an impact on whether or not people can be hired. I mean, there was one study in the book from Professor Robert George down in uh, Texas, where he was actually able to measure the fact that there were professors, the majority of many of them, saying they wouldn't, they'd be less likely to hire an evangelical. Yeah. Uh, they'd be less likely Leave to hire a Leave it off your resume, I agree, but, go, right. but still. <laughs> <laughs> well, but if they found out, right? right? If they found out that they might be like, that's a, that's a problem. And yeah, so you got to figure out how to navigate that. And I, I, I think agree. both sides yeah. have a responsibility. Well, that's the danger of all identity type politics is, I mean, you know, right now we're working on uh, gay and women and black and fair enough. We need, we got work to do in those areas, but let's say we got them under control. Now, are we going to start saying as Christians, we need 50% representation at this job or this role? I, I would suggest to any group that's not the best way because it's not really an entitlement thing. It's, you know, with risk of sounding insensitive to anything else. It's just, I, I don't ever want to have that argument. I just want to take care of right. myself the best I can and put myself in the best position to move the ball forward for me and maybe other people like me. That seems to be better than complaining from the distance and announcing that you're being persecuted or telling your Christian kids, stay away from these people, stay away from these. That's all fear stuff. So, and all those seem negative to me. Those, all those, they all seem negative to me, I think. And I, I may be irresponsible in saying that so quickly or flippantly, but you know, I'm not scared of my daughters going to, to a regular college. If I, want, I don't even know if I want them to go to college at all, but I'm not scared. <laughs> um, I'm not, I don't want them to go to college, if I had to be honest. But uh, I'm not scared of it. If they want to go work in Hollywood, I'm not scared of that. If they want to be journalists, good. I mean, I hope they do, right? Wouldn't that be the attitude? I mean, that'd be the advice for for Christians, but that's, yeah, yeah. I acknowledge that's, where, that's that, the argument yeah, I make. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's my yeah. argument. That's my argument is twofold. My argument is that we have a real problem here culturally and we need to stop ignoring that. And I think a lot of Christians and, and conservatives, they know that they have that feeling great, but what's the data to back it up? Here's the data. And then the second part of it is now, what are you going to do? You know, are, are you going to tell your kids don't do these things? Are you going to tell your kids, you know what, if you have that talent, go and pursue that because we need people in that line of work. We need people who are, you know, adhering to truth. I think that's the key. You know, have you set the firm foundation, right? And that's what we need to work on. Set the firm foundation and don't be afraid. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask a quick question too, just clarify, just because you are in the media and maybe even Christian media. Uh, what do you say, what is the uh, call or the fact that we put the word Christian before the media, what is the responsibility of Christian media like to report on stuff like Charlottesville? Is there like a, like when you, when you're reporting on something, are you doing it from a 
Christian standpoint? Like, are you trying to also say, well, as Christian, like, are you are you putting in stuff that's Christian? Are you reporting just the story like CNN would? Like, what? I just sometimes I always think I think everything's lumped in together, and I don't know. Is there a difference? There might not even be like between reporting on a news story, whether it be Christian media or you know CNN. Fox well, News look, look, I. I think I'm a firm believer, and I, when I worked at the Blaze, which is which is now perceived as a much more conservative outlet, we, you know, we covered things straight when I was there. You know, we covered it straight. We were fair, and I had a lot of liberals who would come to me and say, "We love the way that you guys did this. It was fair." And I think that's my thing. That's how I want to cover it. Now, we we pick topics at a quote unquote Christian outlet that we know Christians will care about, that we know young millennial Christians will care about. But I'm all about making it fair. And so there'll be days when people come to me and say, oh, this article was you defending Trump. And then I have other days where like you're being anti-Trump. It's like, no, I'm just reporting on what Trump said. Um, You know, every once in a while, we'll we'll encourage people to pray for somebody at the end of a story, which is definitely not something you will see other places. And it's something that's relatively new to me working at, at a Christian outlet. Um, but I think, you know, we try to cover it straight and provide the details and the facts of what is going on and people can make their own determination, you know, based on that. All right. Well, that that helps clear it up for sure. For sure. Hey, Billy, Billy, why don't you go on the record and, uh, give us, uh, Trump on a scale of one to 10. How's he doing? (laughs) Here's what I'm going to do. I'll do it. I, I'm going to give Trump, I'm going to give Trump a five and what, and, and here's why I'm going to give Trump a five. I feel like this has been like a 10-year process here of, of surviving this time frame, and it's only uh-huh. been a few months. Um, I am continuously perplexed by Donald Trump, mainly because I see plenty of things I don't like, right, just like I do with any president. Um, but I also – I have a hard time determining whether or not he is as awful as everyone is saying he is or the c- level of coverage – is is more awful than normal, right? Well, and so there are there yes. are times that I look at it and I say, look, this is not. I have seen things that Trump has said that have been manipulated and taken out of context. I've also seen things that I've been like, why in the world? You know, for instance, this weekend he could have very easily tempered the storm faster, yeah. but he's not a good orator, first of all. So you know, do I think that he is this horrible racist man who hates? I actually don't. I don't think that. Um, do I think there are things that are wrong with the things he said and he believes? Yeah, just like I would with many other presidents. So I'm going to give him a five because I want to be fair and give him more time to actually – we don't hear about anything he does. We hear yeah, about yeah. the things he says in tweets, and I think that's a problem on both fronts. Yeah, well, I mean it's not hard to sort out the coverage of him. Of course, it can it mathematically cannot be as bad as – it, it, there has to be a bias toward making it worse than it is. That doesn't mean that's not true, but we know right. we know for sure the bias would be to cover it as negative as possible. And you giving him a five sounds to some people like you gave him a ten because you should have given him a zero. And that <laughs> right. right that that whole thing is what screw, it really screws it up. But of Can course it's not this? as bad as they say. But it could be you know obviously you know where the smoke there's fire I guess. But I am I am completely I'm going to say this and I don't care if it gets me in trouble. I am kind of turned off by the Christian leaders who are obsessed with Trump, not those who were like, you know what, we chose him because we thought he was the lesser of two evils. I'm incredibly turned off by that. But I'm also turned off by every by the Christians who just hate him nonstop because I'm sort of like, look, at what point do we try to find the gray area where we say, I just, I'm just not convinced that I'm being given enough information. And this is, I read a lot, okay? I read a lot where I can say I'm convinced that he is as bad as they say he is. I know he's not as good as some are saying he is, but I don't think he's as bad. And I've met Donald Trump. I've interviewed Donald Trump. I sat in Trump Tower in October, two weeks before he was elected, and listened to him make his case to Christians and Catholics. So 
I feel like I've had a lot of opportunity to hear both. I just, I'm still confused. I don't know. Well, that gives you a lot more credibility than somebody like me to, to, to have been in the room right. with him or ever talked to him directly. I think you get a, a much better sense, I would imagine. So, you know, then I feel like if I could talk to him for 20 minutes or something, I would know a lot more. But he's quite quite confusing. But, Billy, thank and you for did, coming on the show today. Yeah, you can go to at, at Billy Hollowell on Twitter. And then if you want to go straight to his website and read a little more about this book called Faultline, you can go to HowellFaultlineBook.com. But uh, we really did enjoy this time, man. It yeah, was fun. Great. Thanks for having me. We will have you back. All right. That was Billy. Right. Very good. Enjoyed it. I tell you what, and I, I know I, this this whole episode has just made me feel <laughs> on edge a little bit because I'm about to say something that I don't know how don't well it's going it. to be. I know missed. what you're going to say. It. He's from New York. He lives in New York City. He can't be a Christian. Don't listen to anything he said anyway. I, I agree. I was thinking that the whole time. I just like when people I, – I am actually refreshed when people like Billy, who you can tell is, is a pretty good dude – is willing to put himself out there and say something that he knows is going to be very popular, uh, unpopular, because in my opinion, that makes him more credible because he's he's not trying to just cater to, I mean, because he said stuff that would have pissed off conservatives. He said stuff that would have pissed off liberals. I think maybe more stuff that would have pissed off liberals. But all in all, it's refreshing to hear someone that's really going to give his thoughts on something and not just say what he knows people want him to say. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I agree. Um, do we got time for any news? I yeah, got man. One news story Let's that goes into what we. In a world where you have joined the BC Club and your name is Brian Norris, Ryan Gardner, Lance Crawford, Connie Lingus, Colin Littlejohn, Tristan Rohrer, or Jesse Elmore. When you're in that world and you hear your name at a very unique place on the show, or maybe you even fast forward the music and you're calling the bad Christian office saying, why isn't my damn name read on the podcast? Well, it's because you didn't listen to the whole damn podcast and you need to chill out. That was just horrific. (laughs) (laughs) No, we love you guys. I didn't think this podcast could get any worse and you ruined it for me. I had a good one. I wanted to say in a world where I was. Hey, uh, 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 Toby, you got it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Here we go. This is for real. In a world where you wish to God you'd ask Billy Hollowell, whose book Fault Lines Out, if Donald Trump tried to baptize him or pray over him or anoint him with oil, <laughs> it's going to be really good. It's going to be great. I'm going to baptize you over here at Trump Baptismal. It's going to be awesome. You okay. would love to be baptized by Donald Trump, though. At least have that story, right? You might, it might not take. You might not make it into heaven or whatever you believe. But if you if you could trade out whoever baptized you for Donald Trump, would you do it? Got to. <laughs> you have to. Got Wouldn't to. Wouldn't you? I'd have to Doesn't take matter. that chance. <laughs> You'd have to take the chance. All right. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to say I just found this while we were talking earlier, and I just thought it was interesting. You're going to so say that you just found it while you're talking, or you just found it while we were talking? I, I just found it before Billy came on, and I thought this was interesting. It comes from ATTN.com, and it's uh, written by Kyle Yeager, and it says, here's how big the KKK really is today. Because I was wondering, I was like, you know, th- the way it seems on social media and in the, in the media. And, For, 49% and, 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 according to the mainstream media. Yeah, it sounds like right. it's everywhere. Right. KKK's everywhere. It's really bad. 
Um, and I'm not going to go into some of this because it talks about how the Ku Klux Klan is uh, a white supremacist hate group, which I think we all understand. But this this comes from, I think, 20, this was written in 2016, but uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center estimates that there are 190 active KKK groups. 190 seems like a decent amount. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with between 5,000 and 8,000 Klan members in the U.S. So, so mm-hmm. even if that statistic's wrong and people aren't admitting it or whatever – uh, do that number times five. You know what I mean? Like, it, say it's 8,000 times five. That's 35,000 people that might be Klan members. In the whole America, just America alone, that's almost nothing. Like, that, that, that isn't anything. And we are making it seem like it's everybody and it's everywhere and it's, it's just filling up the U.S. like insane. Now, of course we need to stand against this. Of course we need to denounce KKK. Of course we need any any supremacist. I don't care what race you are. If you want to put your race over anybody else's, it's horrible. But we're talking about KKK and white supremacists right now. It's awful. But just that number right there shows you it's not as prevalent or as intense or as crazy as it might seem. The same way as, and here's what I'll say, we were talking. You were talking about ISIS as well. I, their numbers aren't near as big. Right. They're not as powerful. Right. The thing that gives them power is when we say, "Uh oh, amber, uh, orange alert, or red alert." The, uh, ISIS is everywhere. They're doing horrible things. Of course, they're doing ho- horrible things. Well, I think, of course, the over- KKK is doing horrible things too. But what I'm saying is, we're giving legitimacy to it. We're right. legitimizing these people as they are really a force. They have power, and we should be scared. That's not well, true. I think we're we're exasperating this, and and I think we're the three of us are overlooking something that is exasperating this, and this is the fact that we have Donald Trump as president. So I agree. There's already totally there's already right. some rawness to that, and so then they feel like when something like this happens, they're validated from who our president is because they they yes. you know they're receiving that some Trump benefit. Hates Those and, people and are that sort of without a doubt benefiting from the Trump presidency. That's yeah. clear, and that's uh, right. so totally. irritating because like Billy just said. Trump, I, I tend to agree. I don't think he is a racist or hates black people or whatever, but he almost could be something worse than that, which is somebody willing to profit off, the, like, to, for personal right. gain off of that. Like, that's yeah. that's maybe despicable, at least in a different way, maybe arguably a worse way. So do I think he hates black people and is glad and hopes those people or cares about the statues or stands with them? No, he's not like that at all. But he might be now, worse how, than how, that because he knows that, well, as long as they support me, I'm willing to profit off of them. That's That's Real bad. It's not racist. How it's real do, bad. How do these people, like these specific people in Charlottesville, how do they benefit from a Trump presidency? It seems like if uh, our, <laughs> our, our boy Barack Obama, if, uh, if, if he was in place, it seems like these people would have done the same thing, right? Well, let me tell you how this works. Again, <laughs> I don't mean to insult everybody on earth other than me, but everybody on earth other than me seems to operate under the assumption of <laughs> you just go along with whatever in a frenzy and don't think about it uh, and yeah. don't don't act logical you just you just feel it and you do it so it's the same as the stock market what makes the stock market go down everybody thinks it's going to go down it goes down right so that's all. Yeah. It, it's not because of anything. So Trump didn't send them all letters and say, all right, y'all go do it. It's just the fact that he's there and everybody thinks it on the left and the right. Now we've all amped up the energy here and there's more opportunity for everybody. Uh, there's bad, you know, like opportunity for evil, I suppose, is what I'm saying. It's like they feel emboldened. Even if he didn't do anything to embolden yeah. them, they feel 
they feel that way. It's just a mob. It's just well, like yeah. the stock market. It's just perception. It just is. Perception's reality. Here we go. We got the guy that all the the more the left says how bad and racist he is, the the more the racists are empowered by the fact that he's there, whether he is that or not. So now right. we just got everybody doing a momentum thing, and that's that. That's how people get stampeded at concerts. It's how the stock market goes down. It's how white nationalists are empowered. It's just stupid. It's just yeah. you know mob mentality. It's not good. It, and I will say this: shame on Trump for tweeting everything but denouncing that. Like that, yeah. that, 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 that was uh, showed a lot of weakness, and is just even more disappointing from some of the things that he's done. But I, I, it's just here's what is frustrating. Let's really, uh, why if if this really does bother us, and this is wrong, and we all everybody that wrote on Facebook, let's let's have some real conversation. Let's do some real. Uh, protesting without those nationalists there. Let's do all kinds of stuff that, and actually maybe see if we can improve yeah. some things. Like I just, I, I just feel like, are we really so privileged, everybody, that we can just sit on our asses and Facebook yeah, about it's it? It's a little annoying. Let's let's take a here's a here's yeah. a question to ask yourself. If I was overreacting, and if there was something that was like a witch hunt vibe, what would that look like? And then, is there any part of my actions that are like that? Am I a part of a, a reverse mob, right. some mob, part of some witch hunt? When I hear somebody, when I see somebody that's white and they kind of have a slightly nuanced view, do I immediately put them in some category? Just you know, you gotta you gotta go a little slower and untangle your energy from from the thing too. Yeah. Even if you're trying to do the right thing, of course. I, I, completely understand the impulse so whatever but that's you know it's weird i mean it's weird i mean if anything it proves the point i've always said which is the best president anybody can ever have is the one that's super chill number one quality super chill so obama i don't care what color he is he was chill and we were chill that's all yeah i agree and that's that's depressing because you want the president to in fact the president may be like a monarch it's just like somebody we – that's all they're for is a figurehead to look at. We should give them no power, and we get to vote for somebody just to whatever. But it's not like – it's not even like the presidency matters, it seems like, at all, other than just the vibe he puts out, which is so yeah. dumb. It's like saying – I agree. It's just like, well, the baseline energy of our leader, we're that dumb that that's what's going to control our country. And we picked the guy with the goofiest energy possible. So all you want for our next president is the most chill person ever that the other countries are going to like. The people are like, ah, he's not threatening. He's pretty chill, yeah. well-spoken and chill. That's all you want in a president. doesn't matter let what me, his let, policies are, if he's right or left. Who cares? Let me do one more story that, that proves my point. I'm going to add on to this because I just thought this was just – it just shows you the, what the twisted world we live in. This comes from Bleach Report. Y'all know I love basketball, and I've, I've grown to like NBA more and more and more. I really do follow a lot of NBA. Thanks uh, for I'm the Bron third I'm, more there, the third I, one. I like that. More I, I'm and a more Bron and more. I only like sure. it more and more. It, no, I like it more and more and more. Whoa. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Check this out. I know it so got I, it. I, uh, okay, so I live in Tennessee, and I, there's a part of me that kind of has liked the Memphis Grizzlies for a while, and Zach Randolph used to play for them. Well, he got a, a, he got a new deal uh, with the Sacramento Kings. So he's in California, right? He's moved out of Tennessee, and he's in California. And this comes from Bleacher Report. Zach Randolph reportedly arrested for marijuana possession with intent to sell. He's in California. So he, intent to, to sell. This. Yeah, he needs more money. That's what he's selling. Right, this right. is great. He, yeah, he, yeah I'll, I'll get to it in a minute, but I might as well go ahead and tell you. He just Clearly. signed a two-year, a two year $24 million deal. Right. Just signed it with the Sacramento Kings. I mean, so literally, a couple more within the last few weeks. To right. aid that in the state where it's legal. It's a good idea. So, so Sacramento Kings forward, Zach Randolph, who is a very awesome, athletic, old-school, tough, uh, black uh, NBA player, 
It was reportedly arrested in, in Los Angeles on Wednesday night for possession of marijuana with intent to sell. According to TMZ Sports, Randolph was one of, the, one of three people who were detained as part of a rowdy scene that saw six cop cars get vandalized. So the cop cars are vandalized. I get it. It's a rowdy scene. So the vandalism, okay, but he didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't charge him for anything like that. TMZ uh, Sports added that Randolph was believed to have intent to sell due to the large amount of marijuana allegedly in his possession. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna stop right there. What does this sound What does this sound like to you? What does he, this sound like to he you? He was trying to make an extra couple hundred bucks. No, no. There was a party, and a rich ass <laughs> right. millionaire bought a shitload of marijuana, and they were gonna party yeah. where it's legal. Right. Where marijuana is legal. You yeah. can buy it. If you're poor, and they sell it at you buy stores. beer 40 ounces at a time. If you're rich, like me, you have a whole drawer full of, of, of Sierra Nevada stacked in my I, spare fridge in my garage, which is not true. I know. But that, that's not intent to sell. <laughs> do, you know how many, do you know how many rich people show off with caviar or yeah. super hundreds of bottles of wine or whatever? Right. The dude just was trying to party, and they're going to arrest him. Black He's, man. A black man at a party, and that's what uh, it's, that's what I'm saying. Do, do we not see that? He's just got now, a little now, side now, Is this hustle. what we want? Is this what we want though? Trying the guy who was making deal. millions of dollars, the guy that's making millions of dollars, we want him to be in jail and us pay with our tax money for him. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. Because instead he of him pay taxes to, and, uh, to and, our government, it's legal. Hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. Zach Randolph, taxes, get out of the, the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so stupid. I mean, yeah, that, I, that's what I'm saying. Can we not? clearly see how jacked up that is right right dude and just it, it, got to california he's like i'm gonna party it's yeah. legal here y'all no nope. and you're well, in jail I, what is the legal, what's laughing, the legal situation the, though I, they approved it legal but it's not licensed and all that yet like it's some gray areas know. between legalization and, and implementation you know what it's stupid no matter what it's just so stupid and here's the thing no is you know what. i'm laughing but honestly when you think a little deeper it's not a laughing matter because then you have a father who's trying to take care of his family and does a pretty good job making money and putting food on the table, and then he wants to smoke a joint and he's busted with it, and now he's in jail. Yeah, and that's someone's right. husband, that's someone's Somebody's father. father so. That's right. And, and, and how about this? Uh, he's the bad guy, not all the people buying it. Who or probably how about a lot you, of them might have right. even been white, right? And right. plus, <laughs> just the practicality of is that going to help or hurt the society that you are saying? You know, like right. What are you? It's just you know. devastating to me. Anyway, that's the damn news. I'm I, this whole episode just bummed me out. Yeah. Billy was great. Thank you, Billy, for being on here. I was glad he's the bright spot. But I just feel bummed out. Well, that's okay. All right, and I will I will end it when with saying this. This is kind of a blessing slash reflection time. It's kind of like a response time. Oh my gosh, that was loud thunder. But basically, I want to ask you. When you find out about a fellow brother or sister in Christ that you have a lot of respect for and you don't doubt the sincerity of their faith and you find out that they also smoke marijuana, <laughs> does it bless you or does it curse you? That's the Bad Christian Podcast. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.